today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks. It's heating up in the playoffs and in real life too. And an interview with Catherine Silverman on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, it is really hot out here in Southern California. For those of you that live in Canada, some spots in California and SoCal are getting up to 50 Celsius. That is about 110 degrees. But welcome everyone to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, presented by Built Bar. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez. Uh, have worked in hockey for over a decade, and I am dying for some ice right now. Uh, don't forget, you can rate, comment, subscribe if you have not already. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me at StimpyJD. And you can hear this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you hear your podcasts. So as I mentioned, later on in this podcast, we will have an interview with Catherine Silverman, who covers the Arizona Coyotes. As I've alluded to in the past, um, we have been the de facto, I guess, locked on Coyotes since we still do not have a Coyotes host. Uh, At this point, we probably won't have one until next season. So I will be pinch hitting and taking the reins, covering the Coyotes as best as I can. I know someone covering the Ducks. It's a little weird. Someone covering the Ducks, covering the Coyotes. Fortunately, I've seen the Coyotes plenty of times. Like I said, I've worked in the American Hockey League, so I've tracked a lot of their minor league guys that played with the Tucson Roadrunners. So with that, let's get right into it. Uh, Tuesday's games had a bit of action. There were some good ones there. Uh, just to briefly go over what has happened, uh, the Flyers took down the Canadiens. They're up on their series three games to one. They beat Montreal two to nothing in case you missed it. Dallas came back and beat the Flames 2-1. to one. So Dallas is up on Series 32. The Capitals, they came storming back. The Islanders had a 2-0 lead. But then here comes Alexander Ovechkin with the game-tying power play goal in the second period, then the game-winning goal in the third period to give the Caps a 3-2 victory. So they're still alive. Uh, the nightcap, the Vegas Golden Knights, came back and defeated the Chicago Blackhawks 4-3, and that series is over. Vegas has moved on uh, to end that game. Okay, Chicago had a lead. They had a 2-0 lead. Vegas came back, tied it up. Then Patrick Kane delivered on a slick backhand to make it 3-2. Then former LA King and thorn in the side of the Blackhawks, Alec Martinez, he does it to the Blackhawks yet again. It's like they've seen this before. He got a power play goal to tie the game. And then Alex Tuck got the game-winning goal. Yeah, got the game-winner to make it a final score of 4-3 Vegas. Tuck has been on a roll lately. So that is the series ender. Yeah, for those Blackhawk fans that may not remember or will try to forget it, Alec Martinez was the gentleman playing for the LA Kings back in 2014 who got the game-winning goal, actually the series-winning goal, in overtime at the United Center to bring the LA Kings to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2014. Then Alec Martinez, off a rebound, got the Stanley Cup winning goal against the New York Rangers, also in overtime. So Alec Martinez has definitely been a thorn on the side of many teams. This is the second time he's done it to the Blackhawks. So just to recap the series, as of current... Let's start in the Western Conference. The Vegas Golden Knights, they advanced. They won their series four games to one. 
so they are moving on. The Dallas Stars lead their series three games to two. They could advance on their next game. Once again, that series is three to two. The Canucks and the Blues, well, they're tied at two games apiece. They play their game five Wednesday night. And the series that I'm about to talk about with Kat Silverman, the Colorado Avs are leading the Coyotes three games to one. Colorado could clinch Wednesday afternoon. As far as the Eastern Conference goes, Philadelphia leads their series against the Montreal Canadiens 3-1. to The Capitals and the Islanders, the New York Islanders are still leading that series three games to one. They could still close that one out. The other two series, the Boston Bruins have a 3-1 series lead over the Carolina Hurricanes. Did not see that coming. And finally, I talked about the Flyers and Canadians 3-1. to uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets, that series is 3-1 to one as of right now. Tampa Bay can close things out this morning. So those are the Stanley Cup playoffs series. We're going to head to the first intermission and get on with our interview with Kat Silverman. But first, I want to tell you all that Built Bar is back, baby. Yeah, they have re-engineered and made their Built Bars better than ever. Now with 130 calories, 17 at least 17 grams of protein, and still only 4 grams of sugar. Built Bars are not only healthy for you, but they taste like a candy bar and are even fluffier now than they were before. So with the promo code locked on, you can get $10 off your next order of Built Bar. And for a very limited time, you can get a travel case or a travel cooling case to go with your built bars in case you want to go mountain hiking or something like that. So once again, that is builtbar.com and enter promo code locked on to get $10 off your order. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Yeah. Coming up after the first intermission, my interview with Katherine Silverman. Stay locked in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, which is temporarily Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I've alluded to this several times, but since there's no one else covering the Coyotes, I'm the de facto person covering the Coyotes during their playoff run in the 2020 playoffs. And I have a special guest with me today. Uh, she covers the Arizona Coyotes, and how the weather out there she described as being horrible. I think. She said it was 115 yesterday, if I remember correctly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 115. Sure is. It It's hot out there, but welcome, Catherine Silverman. Catherine, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Great. Uh, so you were also on another Lockdown podcast recently. I just yeah. found, I just found out today. Uh, two people that I'm very fond of, by the way, uh, Locked On Flyers. They do a fantastic job. I actually had the Flyers girls on my podcast recently as well. Uh, but how's everything going in Arizona? It's good. It's uh, I know I know a lot of Coyotes fans are were hoping that there would be a nice competitive series of hockey for them to watch right now. It's like like you said, it's around 115 degrees. We've had excessive heat warnings. It's a blanket warning. Uh, for reference, it we aren't supposed to spend extended time outside until 8 p.m. on Thursday, and we're recording this on Tuesday, so that should tell you how hot it is. Uh, and so you know we. 
obviously don't have the the super competitive series fans are fans are looking for right now but there's there's good baseball to watch i guess so i can't complain too much the diamondbacks have figured out what's going on it's it it could be worse given given what 2020 is uh things could be worse here for sure yeah i mean since we're gonna go off topic for a brief second i mean i love the diamondbacks play but i have to give it up to the phoenix suns who I legitimately thought had a good shot at that number eight seed in the playoffs. Yeah, I uh, I saw that they made it into the into the bubble in Orlando, and I was like, okay, I guess they're letting anyone in now because yeah. um, the Suns are miserable, right? Like they last year they didn't even hit twenty wins. That was embarrassing. Saw what they did with their roster this year. Thought they weren't going to hit twenty wins for a second time. Really thought they were going to come close to that when everything froze. Luckily, they squeaked their way in, and then they went, what, like 5-0 and to start in the bubble and uh, managed to sneak their way right into basically a competitive push there. And uh, for Arizona fans, I think that's a win. <laughs> given what the Diamondbacks have given us in the last few years, what the Cardinals have given Arizona fans, what, uh, what the Suns have given them, I think that's, that's about as, as good as they can ask for is competitive basketball. <laughs> that's for sure. Let's talk about this Coyotes series going on. I guess we have to go rip the Band-Aid off. Yesterday they fell in, I, I guess I should call this an embarrassing loss. Even Paul Bissonnette, who does the radio side for the Phoenix Coyotes broadcast, uh, he called it disappointing that they came so close to tying the, the series 2-2 two to two and to come out 7-1 to loss, giving up that many goals in the first period. I mean, it's disappointing, disheartening. I mean, what was your takeaway from that game four letdown? Frustrating. That's the word I'd use. Uh, I think I think Biz got it right when he said disappointing. You know, that's a guy who I think does a fair job of covering the team during his radio broadcasts, but deeply loves the Coyotes. There's a reason he retired in Arizona, has stuck around doing media with the team when that's, you know, that's something new for him. He loves the Coyotes, and I think it disappointed him and disappointed a lot of people. Um like you said, came so close to potentially tying up a series with a team that, like you said, you have them going all the way. I have them going to the Stanley Cup final in my predictions. I think they're a powerful team. Um, figured they'd win the series, but the Coyotes, I don't want to say that they looked like they came out and didn't care, because I think they do. I think they came out scared. They looked like they were a beat behind. They looked like they weren't sure not just what the other team was doing, what the other team was doing, but what they were doing. They looked they looked like a team that wasn't prepared. And that's super frustrating for a team that really managed to, to sneak up as the underdogs during their first series. I didn't think they were going to make it out of the play-in round. I thought they were going to have a competitive five-game series against Nashville, shake hands at the end, go home. We could be proud that they at least gave it their best shot, and then they won. Um and then they do this. You know, they had 14 shots in their first game against Colorado, looked cowed and confused, and then they did the same thing in a second game. That's frustrating. Um, it's not like it's not like it was entirely the team's fault. It wasn't Darcy Kemper's best game. Auntie Ranta came in cold and didn't didn't look as prepared as I think he should have if he wasn't fully ready to go. Maybe they should have had Hill on the bench. But, uh, yeah, I thought everything about that game was frustrating. And that's one of those where you almost don't even want to break it down 
yeah. because there's nothing to nitpick, right? It's you, you got to throw the whole thing in the trash and start over. To illustrate how bad it's hard to see. <laughs> to illustrate how bad it was for Darcy Kemper entering the game. He had a 932 save percentage, and after the game, he now has a 924 save percentage. That's how much That's bad. one game can do. <laughs> but to, Yeah, he, uh, he struggled in that one a little bit. And they were not all his fault. Uh, to uh-huh. wit, just to throw out some other stats, just overall throughout the postseason, the shot differential in the eight games, that's including the qualifier games, they're at a minus 103 shot difference. Minus 38 against Nashville. <laughs> and I kid you not, minus 65 against the Colorado Avalanche, who, by the way, I also have going to the finals. And in fact, on my prediction, I had them going all the way. The minus 65 does surprise me a little bit. I thought it would be maybe minus 40 or something. But my God, that's that's too many. That's too many shots to give up. That's the thing is they're they're usually not a team that allows that many shots. They they've done a pretty good job of of limiting those throughout the year. And so against Nashville, I kinda get it. That's a team that's a little bit more defensively rounded than the right. Coyotes. So I assumed that maybe there was a chance that they would come out with the edge in shots just because their defense does such a good job of, you know, securing the perimeter, keeping those shots from even breaking through once you reach the hash marks. But Against Colorado, at the very least, just looking back historically, that tends to be a very rounded series. Both of those teams, when they're playing the way that they like to play against each other, obviously, they they both play a little bit of a run-and-gun offense. Colorado's defense has some strong points, but also has some players who who are definitely offense first on the blue line, right? They have some guys who let things slip through the cracks, Um so you usually see a little bit more of an even pace. And like I said, frustrating. That's the word we keep coming back to. That that shot differential. They had a game like that during the season. They they played the St. Louis Blues. Darcy, or I'm sorry, not Darcy Kemper. Auntie Ronto was in net. They only lost the game one nothing. I believe they got outshot that game something like 49 to 14. Ooh. They took 14 shots. And the game was 0-0 until the last minute and a half. Antiranta finally allowed a goal. Fans still somehow found a way to blame him for it. Um, <laughs> and then they somehow have now done that twice in this series. And I think yes, that I don't want to use the word unacceptable because I, I find that to be a melodramatic term, but it's it's unacceptable. This is this is a learning experience for the team. It's their first playoff round since 2012. The only remaining player from that team is all of Rackman Larson. The only remaining personnel member who's with them is Stan Wilson, who's an equipment wow, manager. That's a long um, time. Yeah, they've they've had an almost complete overhaul. Their coaching staff is different. Their training staff is different. Their management staff is different. Even their, their current general manager has only been with the team in any capacity since 2014. Um, so it's it's a whole new experience for all of them. They all need to learn together. Even the ones that are experienced in playoff runs right like learning to play with this group but there's a difference between a learning experience to me and sitting back and watching the other team teach you how the playoffs go and that's that's kind of what I felt like games one and four were and that's I it's too bad because I think this team could at the very least make this a fun series 
it's too bad that we're not in normal times right now because you had mentioned that you know certain players do grow together on long playoff runs the coyotes have not had that if we were under normal circumstances i feel like one thing that would have benefited that coyotes franchise in general would have been and i'm going to go back to minor leagues here if the ahl season was able to be completed because their minor league team, the Tucson Roadrunners, they were in first place. They were going to make the playoffs without a doubt. And you would have seen some of these younger guys start playing together. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the AHL or the NHL. If you have the same group of guys that work together through a long playoff run, it is going to benefit them years down the line. And I'm looking at the Columbus Blue Jackets last season. They had a plethora of of those guys that made it to the 2016 Calder Cup. You know, players like Zach Wierenski and Oliver Bjorkstrand, they played a lot together in 2016, and that resulted in their upset of the Lightning last season, and they made the playoffs again this season. So what what could have been, I guess, is the best way to put it. You could have had some of these guys that should be playing in the AHL, and they're kind of thrust onto this grand stage right now. Um, and something else that Paul Bissonnette talked about on, on the radio is the lack of discipline. I mean, there was almost no discipline on that game four. They allowed seven power plays and Colorado capitalized on three of them in general, in this series, they've allowed 16 power plays and Colorado scored on four of them. I mean, what can you make as far as the penalty killing goes? Because they do have some pretty good penalty killers and one guy that I like a lot is Michael Grabner, who's a shorthanded wizard. Yeah, I think that's a, that, that sort of goes back to the idea that the team doesn't feel confident in their game right now. Because allowing 16 power plays, that's bad. That's taking too many penalties. That's Tyler Myers and Vancouver level of penalties. That's, that's dumb. Um, but it's a team that they take penalties during the regular season. They have guys who who are kind of known for pushing the edge at times. They have a few that like to be uh, disturbers, right? They like to they like to sort of mess around on the ice. They, they don't mind taking a few penalties here and there. Um, but their penalty killers usually lock it down. You mentioned Michael Grabner, Brad Richardson. When it's Grabner and Richardson together on that penalty kill, usually good things happen. Mm-hmm. Nick Jalmerson, I mean... That's why they brought him in. He's one of the best defensive defenders in the league. They have guys like like Jacob Chikrin. They they have Derek Stepan. He's fantastic. Christian Dvorak does a great job. Lawson Kraus. Honestly, I don't think we talk enough about Lawson Kraus in all three areas of the ice. You know, he does a great job helping set up those plays in the offense, but he cleans it up on defense too, and especially on those penalty kills. And we haven't seen any of that. We haven't seen structure to their penalty kill. We haven't seen confidence. We haven't seen them look like they're playing a team that they know fairly well. I mean, granted, the Avalanche were injured when they played the Coyotes this year. I believe they were missing both Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog. So, you know, they had a couple of their top players injured. That's still unacceptable. You've played Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog multiple times. All the guys on the team have at some point it's it's ownership they have to take ownership of the fact that they're not playing their game with confidence they're not playing it with any sort of communication on the ice it's but 
conversely, we've seen them play it the right way, right? Against yeah. Colorado. We saw them not only come very close in game two, that's the kind of game we expected to see, you know, a 3-2 loss that was competitive throughout. But game three, that's a game that they won, and they won it with scoring from basically all four lines. And that's that's what we should be seeing. What Whatever we saw in game four, like that was... I hope that was some sort of some sort of body snatchers situation, (laughs) right? So before we conclude, is there any hope that you can give to the Coyotes fans out there? Do you see this at least being competitive, possibly going six or somehow seven games? I think they can make it competitive. I think it comes down to game five, right? I think the fact that they even won a game, hang your hats on that, right? Mm -hmm. There are teams that have been getting swept. We've seen the New York Rangers. We've seen the Florida Panthers came very close to getting swept in the play-in round. There are teams we, that we are saw Toronto get embarrassed. Yes. Oh, Toronto. That's <laughs> you know, there's there are more frustrating things than taking a a four one series against the team that could very very possibly win it all, especially with the way that some of these other Western conference teams have been playing in their play-in rounds. You know, I think it's very possible that the Avalanche are the scariest team in the West right now. Um, I think that they could make it competitive. I think we started to see Ronta warm up a little bit. Um, So if he is needed again, I don't think we're going to see him put up the performance he did in this game. You know, I I think he was, I think he was thrust out there. Yeah. That first goal was, I think that was hard. That was that one wasn't necessarily that, entirely his fault. That, that was that was Kale McCarr doing amazing things, but Kale McCarr, yeah. That was also <laughs> Andrew Goligoski. Uh, let, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. And yeah, that, that was you bad. Know, if he does, if he does a really good job, in theory, he he may not even need to. We've seen Darcy Kemper playing the way that he plays when he gets himself mentally focused in so many of the games so far during the playoffs. We've seen him have a few of those sloppy games. We really only saw him have one against Nashville. In theory, this this last one was his sloppy game, right? We should mm-hmm. see him lock it down again. At the very least, you're getting to see playoff hockey. If you're a Coyotes fan, you're watching postseason hockey in August from a team that we really thought had lost their offensive spark down the backstretch of last season, and they scored four goals in virtually all of their wins during the play-in round so far. For a team that struggled to score more than one or two goals throughout the bulk of February and March, that's something that you can be happy about, right? Yeah, you're I mean, looking for things to be happy about. <laughs> you have to hang your head on that because Nashville is a very good team. And some analysts in the preseason had Nashville going as far as the conference finals. So when you think about that, that's an accomplishment in itself. And they can only build on this in the future and hopefully get over all the other drama that's going on off the ice. Because <laughs> there's a lot of it. Yeah, I think that, honestly, the way that the team has been playing is the biggest thing for them. And yeah. there's a flat cap, so I think that there's less less of a dire circumstance than a lot of people necessarily think there is. There aren't going to be as many teams capable of taking on a Taylor Hall type contract as there would have been had the cap gone up significantly. I think that the guy that they have as their general manager as an interim position right now was being groomed to take on that kind of a role in the first place. If we do want to briefly, you know, 
just give a little bit of reassurance there. I think Steve Sullivan, you mentioned Tucson Roadrunners have been one of the best teams in the AHL. He's been their general manager for the last few years. Yeah, he's so, highly deserving. He's he's at the very least, if there's going to be a little bit of disturbance on and off the ice, you know, on the ice, they won a game against the potential Stanley Cup winners. Off the ice, they've got Steve Sullivan as an interim GM. I think as far as Arizona sports go, this is a little bit of a tumultuous market. It's hard to be too upset right now. Exactly. And, and I know people want to be frustrated. Like I said, it's 115 <sighs> degrees outside. That makes me angry on the best of days. But there's, there's a lot to be happy about right now, I think. Oh, uh, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it, by the way. Where can everyone find you on social media and tell everyone about your podcast? Absolutely. So I they can find me on Twitter at Kat M. Silverman. That's Kat with a C. Um, they can find my work at Elite Prospects and Angle Magazine at the moment. Um, and they can find my podcast. It's Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. The Twitter handle is the number three, Cheers for Goal, the number one. And it's it's mostly about hockey at the moment. Uh, when hockey is on hiatus, it's more about pop-punk bands and uh, and bad mid-2000s TV shows. So so we cover the gambit. My co-host is very into ska right now. We'll see, we'll see how much attention we give that uh in the coming weeks but <laughs> but yeah that's that's where they can find me for sure nice and once again you can find this podcast which is locked on ducks on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify or stitcher and make sure to rate comment subscribe if you really like it and you can check me out on twitter at stimpy jd and follow the show at lo underscore ducks yes it's as in ren and stimpy i've said this a million times but i love my nicktoons back in the day uh were you ever a nicktoons person or i wasn't i i hate saying it but i was i was a little more of a disney channel fan that is fair enough i'm i'm all so my two are disney and nickelodeon those are my two go-to's I can, I, I can accept that. I can embrace that for sure. I, mean, I cover an Anaheim team and I'm down the street from Disneyland. It's only natural. And I cover a team that was partially owned by Disney. <laughs> you know? That's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> uh, Catherine, once again, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening, especially you uh, transplanted Coyote fans. You know, thank you so much for sticking with this and Hopefully we'll have at least one or two more games to talk about. Maybe they'll shock everyone. You never know. For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez and Kat Silverman saying have a good rest of the day and stay safe out there and Ducks fly together. Ducks fly together.